I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. I heard so many podcasts where people's voices are all messed up from being sick and they're clearly pausing and coughing and editing stuff out. So it's Mm -hmm. not just... No, I feel like... I feel like everyone we know is sick. Like, do we know anyone who is not sick? It's terrible. Yeah, it's it's going to around. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Ojai right outside of L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're talking about the momentum killer that 2024 has been so far. Then we have a take a hike that sets a high bar and a listener question about the plethora of limited series about the same subjects. We also have a Hollywood hack that will improve your smile, and Liz has two book recommendations, but first we have an update. Yeah, so Sarah, this update is related to your Facebook post about salad that we have gotten so much reaction to. This is resonating (laughs) with many listeners And friend of the pod, Leon Dolan, who's also the author of The Sweeney Sisters, Lost and Found in Paris, the upcoming book, The Marriage Sabbatical, she wrote to you about salads. Yes. She said, Sarah, welcome to the world of salad enthusiasts. I'm so glad you're working with a personal salad coach. I believe in you. Once you let salad into your life, the possibilities are endless. Many are lettuce-free, too. Herbs are magic. Roasted veggies count. Hearts of palm are an underrated ingredient. I am a lifetime student of salads and have made one almost every night for decades. Your salad coach sounds fantastic, but I wanted to recommend two more salad resources. Food writer Emily Nunn writes a brilliant substack called The Department of Salad with great lettuce-free recipes, history, funny writing, and her dressings are epic. And for additional creative recipes, check out Jean Kelly's books, Salad for Dinner and Vegetarian Salad for Dinner. Beautiful to look at and unexpected combinations. 
And then she sent this gorgeous photo of a peach tomato and cherry salad that she made this summer. It's like the most gorgeous salad I've ever seen. It should be in a cookbook. Yes. It looked more like bruschetta than salad. It looked so It looked incredible. Yes. And I did sign up for Emily Nunn's Substack, and I got salad for dinner. So I'm on it. I am I am on my salad path for 2024. And then, Sarah, we also wanted to mention that one of our Facebook group members, Meredith, is posting a salad of the week, which is very inspiring. It's excellent. All these people are following and asking the ingredients, and she's very forthcoming with how yummy her salads are. So I'm going to be following in her footsteps, I think. So quick question. Are you making your own dressing? I have been making my own dressing. Yes, not exclusively, but I am trying to do that, yeah. That seems to be a key to good salad from my, what I've noticed in my salad eating times. Yes, and this comes from Melissa, my personal salad coach, I'm calling her in quotes, <laughs> um, <laughs> is she puts hummus on salad, and that's basically dressing. Then you don't really have to mm. add anything. All right. <laughs> We're going to be talking a lot about salad, I think. Exploration (laughs) continues. Yes. All right, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk Of, where we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches. This week, it's picking a new start date for 2024. So we came into this year, we have our team motto, Hear Us Roar 2024. You were all about 2024. You had your journals and your workbook and your Pilates reformer and this and that and the other thing. We both had a lot of momentum. We were really excited. And then it just died or was murdered. I'm going to say it was murdered. Our momentum was murdered. I got influenza A. Violet and I both got influenza A. Our entire holiday plan, every single plan we had from Christmas through New Year's to now was canceled. It's just been awful. I haven't done Pilates in like a week and a half. I tried once and it just knocked me out. I, I mean, I just feel absolutely flattened. Yeah, and I got covid So I had a great Christmas in Kansas City, and then the day after I got home, started having a scratchy throat, tested positive for COVID, and that completely knocked me out. Like, I was, you know, if I brushed my teeth, then I would have to lie down, and that was like a week after testing positive. So both of us have—I haven't done Fryman since I did it one day when I got home— And I haven't exercised once since testing positive because I've just been too exhausted. Yeah, you were texting me every day. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? And then one day you're like, I don't feel great. And then half an hour later, I have COVID. And then you've just been completely the same, flattened. It's just been unbelievable. Yeah. And needless to say, we had a plan for ourselves of what we were going to do on our book over the holidays That got way slowed down. We've made some progress, but not where we intended to be at this point. Not at all. We keep going, I don't think I can get through this today in text. And then the other person goes, I don't think I can get through this today either. It's just terrible. Yes. So we are going to pick a new start date for 2024. Now, Sarah, what I want to say to anyone listening is we may not be alone in this. Oh, I think we're not. For one reason or another. I mean, so many people are sick. Maybe people had relatives in town. For whatever reason, if your start of 2024 
got completely sucked away from you. Join us in a new start to 2024 where we <laughs> go in gung-ho. What is our new start date? I literally just made a charge motion with yes. my arm. I don't, <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm not ready to go right now, but I will be in the future. I mean, I'm hesitant, honestly, to be too ambitious in our new start date because yeah. I still have a sinus infection. You're still, I think, testing positive, aren't you? Yes, I haven't tested for a couple of days. So I'm going to test again today. I was going through too many tests trying to test oh. <laughs> negative. But you certainly sound stuffy yes. and sick still. So I don't want to be like, three days from now, we're going to have every ounce of energy back that we had before this. I think we should give ourselves a ramp up. All right, Sarah, I am going to propose Tuesday, January 16th, the day after Martin Luther King Day. Instead of starting the year the day after January 1, as we would normally do, we will do it the day after Martin Luther King Day, halfway through January. Okay, I think we can do that. I'm going to be optimistic and say that that will work. I really, really, really hope that we are able to do that on January 16th, got two whole weeks into the year. So, okay, so how are we going to get that momentum up, though? I was yeah. thinking we should e text each other Happy New Year, the day of <gasps> January 16th, and with the uh, fireworks yes. that come through when you text And on MLK Day, we should say Happy New Year's Eve. Yes, on MLK Maybe we day, should have a New, New Year's, Year's Eve, Eve celebration. <laughs> yes, we should. That actually is a good idea. Maybe we should take a New Year's Eve hike if we're up for it on MLK ooh, ooh. Day. You know, high. We, well, okay. we'll see. So that's that, not, that might be ambitious, that's, yeah. That's in pencil. <laughs> and then the other thing I was thinking we should do is set some goals Yes. for that first week of the year. Oh, I was like, we set so many goals, Liz, and they got trashed by this terrible momentum killer we've had. But yes. yes, we should for that first week. Okay. Yes. So I'm, my goal, my personal goal is going to be that week to do Orange Theory. How many times can I talk about trying Orange Theory? I had a plan to do it and then my COVID hit. <laughs> yes. So now I'm going to say the week of January 16th, I will do Orange Theory and I will report back. And is this something you have to schedule in advance or do you just go in? Maybe that day or the day before. So okay. but I may go ahead and schedule it a couple of days in advance because you know I'm more likely to do it if it's on the calendar. That's right. Okay, my goal, I want my goal to be doing Pilates four times because my goal for the year yes. is 150 Pilates sessions and I've lost more than a week, maybe two weeks almost of that. So, But Sarah, um, now you have till... January 15th of 2025 to complete. Your but work. remember, I started counting in December. So there's a whole oh, right. like, oh, yes. but maybe I, I give myself till January 1st. I'll give myself till okay. January okay. 1st Good. instead of December 9th or whatever it was. Okay. So I'll make my goal three Pilates sessions on my okay. reformer. And then I was thinking for our team goal, Maybe that week our goal is to finish the next revision of the pitch we're working on that we're okay. about to get notes on. Yeah, that's perfect because I think we'll get notes probably like at the very beginning of that week and we'll just dive in. Yes. Okay. This is what I'm All right. thinking. Okay. All right. So join us January 16th to celebrate <laughs> the beginning of 2024. 
<laughs> we are harnessing 2024 in our own way. Hear us roar 2024. <laughs> By the way, Sarah, PSA, if you're in California, you can order free COVID tests. Go to www.covidtest.gov. My new ones arrived yesterday, which I was very happy about because I've been running through a lot of COVID tests because, <laughs> of course, I've also been having Jack and Adam test yes. for COVID constantly. They've been negative thus far. So Woo-hoo. hopefully everyone but me escaped. Yes. And hopefully this year we'll go from being a sad whimper into the roar that we yes. anticipate and intend to make. Yes, indeed. All right, coming up, we have a take a hike that sets a high bar. First, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, it's time for Take a Hike, where we talk about physical, mental, and spiritual health. And today, I'm going to say it's mental health. This comes from one of our podcast listeners. It actually comes from Meredith, who is posting the Salad of the Weeks. Um, She commented on someone else's post saying that her approach to sweets this year is going to be, is it a 10? And I was like, is it a 10? I mean, that applies to So much more than sweets. I think that is a great way to think about everything that we kind of want, want to acquire, want to do. Like, is it a 10? Now when I'm shopping, I look at something and go, is it a 10? If it's not a 10, I'm not getting it. And that goes for everything from like my new filter thing that I got to filter compost to a new dress. Is it a 10? I love this. It's such a good idea. I'm reminded of our favorite chocolates. Yes. John Kelly chocolates from Santa Monica, which are indeed a 10. So well worth it. An Oreo cookie. They might be an 11. Not, yeah, they might be an 11. An (laughs) Oreo cookie, Sarah, is not a 10. Exactly. Skip the Oreo. It's not a 10. Exactly. Now, I was thinking that this is it a 10 approach could be limiting in some ways. Like, it's only a 7 or an 8, so I'm not going to do it. There may be things that account for the deficit that makes something worthwhile. Like, this hotel is not a 10 hotel. It's a 7 or an 8. But the location is really great, and so that makes it a 10. Or the price makes the hotel a 10. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to have to be a little flexible in my thinking about this, but I like that it kind of makes you think in a more dimensional way. What makes something a 10? 
Well, and Sarah, this can apply to our work as well, because we are in that phase of work right now where we have some things in motion, but we're also looking ahead at other possible projects, all of which would mean a lot of work for free before we sell something. And I think it's the is it a 10 goes to picking projects. And we've talked about this many times, how we have to take all these factors into account when we decide what to spend our time on. But I think the is it a 10 is a good approach. It is, because also when we're talking about it, it's a good way to kind of go, well, this element is a 7, this Mm -hmm. element is a 10, this element is a whatever, and go, okay, cumulatively, does this become a 10 or not based on all of these different factors? So it will require us to kind of break it down in a way that we don't necessarily always do really deliberately. Well, and I think it also helps us understand each other's level of enthusiasm. And we had a hack a while back that I got from my mom, which was she sort of was showing me a dress and she said, one to 10, what do you think of this? Yes. And it allowed me to be really specific. And again, this is, if you say it's a seven, I say it's an eight. It helps us know exactly how the other's feeling rather than just a, I like it. Yeah, it's good. Sometimes it's a little vague. It's hard to exactly express what we're feeling. And yes, I like the idea of quantifying different elements, like who's involved, the subject matter, the level of interest that we know about from other companies, how the ease or difficulty of the project, so many, how long will it take? So many things that putting a number to it is going to be helpful. Absolutely. No, and I'm thinking about just in those first moments where we're going, how appealing is this just in a broader sense? If someone says three and someone says eight, probably the three is not going to get up high enough to make the project worthwhile. So then we may not even have to do the whole conversation. Right. It might just be like, okay, (laughs) let's put that aside. (laughs) Or the eight person can go, here is why I think this is an eight and could be a 10. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I love this. Thank you, Meredith. I'm going to use this for everything from Oreos to a book that we might adapt. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) All right, Sarah, it is time for the mailroom. We answer questions from listeners. And this question comes from Shannon. She said, I'm wondering why there are multiple movies, TV movies, TV shows being released around the same time about the same subject. For example, the Hulu series Candy and the HBO series Love and Death about Candy Montgomery. Recently, I believe there were three TV shows slash movies about Gypsy Rose Blanchard, two documentaries about Fire Festival, etc. It just seems strange to have multiple shows about a topic, especially one that is 40 years old, like Candy Montgomery. How would two different teams even hear about the story? Yeah, it's a great question. It's very interesting. And I think the simplest answer to how two different teams hear about the story is just zeitgeist. Every now and then things just kind of roll into the zeitgeist and multiple people are talking about them at once. Yes, and it may be that a big article was published and somebody optioned the article, but then the article, even if it's not optioned by another person, it's just brought the story 
to light. And so then that person, whether or not they have that article, could talk to someone else, could get life rights from someone. So that could bring it up. There are some subjects that I think people are just so interested in, people just run to do them. I mean, Fire Festival is a perfect example of that. That's something that happened very recently, and immediately two documentaries were made about it. I watched both. I think also there's something about podcasting that has made people have a deeper desire to know more about certain subjects. Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos. There were multiple podcasts about Elizabeth Holmes. Sam Bankman-Fried, multiple podcasts. People just, they want to know all the different angles. The uh, Nexium cult, there were two documentary series Again, I watched both, enjoyed both. It's interesting, though, because I think it really is a shift. It used to be the case that if a company heard some other company was doing a project about, say, Candy Montgomery, everyone else would be like, okay, well, now my Candy Montgomery project is dead, and no one else would try. But yes, I think companies have realized that if there is an appetite for a subject— it's going to be for more than one show. And I also think Netflix, if someone subscribes to Netflix, but they don't subscribe to another streamer, but they know that that Candy Montgomery show is getting tons of heat somewhere else, they want to keep their subscribers and feed that desire for Candy Montgomery uh, stuff. And by the way, uh, it's funny that she mentioned that because I recommended two different... (laughs) Yes, Weeks, Candy and Love and Death. I watched both and loved both. One stars Jessica Biel and the other stars Elizabeth Olsen, I believe. Yes. And we have been fascinated by the Gypsy Rose Blanchard story for many years. So I have to say, I am not someone who usually consumes all the different varieties of a different story, but that is one that I very well might take a deep dive into and watch and listen to everything. Yeah. And you know what's interesting, Sarah, is this, although this is new, I agree it's a shift in how often this is happening, how much it's happening. There's always been some of this. I'm thinking of Ted Bundy. Yes. I believe there have been multiple TV movies, shows, et cetera, about Ted Bundy because people are just endlessly interested in the story of Ted Bundy. Yes. If something is particularly sort of culturally horrifying or compelling (laughs) in some way, yeah, that's true. That has been a thing. It's just really taken off in the last, I don't know, five years. It's an interesting phenomenon, but yes, as a writer, it's nice because it means you don't have to worry as much as you were saying about somebody else having a similar idea. Yes. There's something you're really interested in. Yeah. People are realizing there are multiple ways to approach the same subject, which is cool. I'll also say for any aspiring TV writer out there, I think it's very interesting to watch two shows about the same subject and see how different people approached it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's It's a good learning tool. A study. Yes. All right, Sarah, coming up, we've got a Hollywood hack that will give us better smiles, courtesy of you. But first, this break.
Okay, Liz, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack, which is the Waterpik 2.0 Professional Flossing Toothbrush. All right, I have never heard of a flossing toothbrush. I'm fascinated because, you know, needing to floss is one of the banes of my existence. And I have a dentist who would love me to use a Waterpik, which I did get, but I just cannot be bothered. So I want to hear about a professional flossing toothbrush. Okay. So this is exactly why I got this particular item, because I am not a good flosser. I confess every time I go to the dentist, I hear about it. I had a water pick at one point, could not make myself use it. It's God only knows where now. Uh, it sat on my counter for a very long time, and then it was under the sink for a very long time. Well, I was like, no, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. Well, no, I did not. So what this is, is a toothbrush and water pick in one. So what I like about it is it's contained. It's not like you have to have two different plugs and two different this. It's just all in one contained thing. It doesn't have a big footprint on the counter. And you can either brush your teeth and use the water pick at the same time, which I kind of don't get because then you're just like rinsing all the toothpaste away. But there are people apparently who do that. Or you can brush your teeth and then immediately go into the water pick element of it. And it's very easy. I find it easier to use than a regular water pick. And it's already in my hand, yes. so why not just go ahead and and do the water pick part? Well, this goes to the strategy of convenience that my sister Gretchen Rubin, host of Happier with Gretchen Rubin, always talks about, which is if, yes. it's, if something's just a tiny bit more convenient, it can totally change how often you do it. I think I have to get this toothbrush, Sarah. I really think it's great. It's not inexpensive. It was like $180, but I really am using it. I wouldn't be talking about it if I actually weren't using it. I'm I'm now flossing at least once a day. It is a game changer for me, and hopefully it will be for you. Please report back. I will. I'm, this is a new innovation. <laughs> yes. And then, Liz, it's your week for a recommendation. So what is your recommendation this week? Yes. Every week, one of us recommends a book, a movie, TV show, podcast, whatever we want. Sarah, this is something I have to say I got from you. So it's sort of your recommendation <laughs> that I'm taking because I got very passionate about it. <laughs> and my recommendation is two books by Stephanie Land. Made is the first book and Class is the follow-up. And Made is about being a maid. Stephanie Land is a writer who is living below the poverty line. She had a dream of going to college and becoming a writer, but she had a child um, very young and suddenly had to support herself. And she became a maid. And then uh, ultimately, she did go to college and the story unfolds. She's an excellent writer. It's a compelling story. It's a very educational story if you're just interested in sort of America in general. And I just flew through both of these books. I mean, I, I could not read them fast enough. I also want to mention that Made has been turned into a limited series on Netflix starring Margaret Qualley and Andy McDowell, who we worked with, Sarah, on a pilot yes. that didn't go, who's Margaret Qualley's real-life mother, also plays her mother, who's a very particular type of character <laughs> in the series. 
but I gave this to my sister for Christmas. I I just I I now follow Stephanie Land on TikTok and Instagram, and I've read like all gone back and read all of these articles and essays she's written. I just think she's such a good writer. I I will read anything she writes from now on. As will I. And I do recommend starting with Made because they're memoirs and they do build on each other. So read Made first and then Class. And I think we both listened too. And she's an excellent reader. Yes. Oh, yeah. I should have mentioned that these are memoirs. Very important for anyone who likes a memoir as you and I both do. Yes. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please follow us if you haven't already. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin and Side Hustle School. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram and threads at S. Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. But Sarah, I guess we're not going to have a New Year's Eve party where we get really drunk and... Uh, have noisemakers and funny glasses. No, I'm thinking my New Year's Eve party, my second New Year's Eve party might be taking the steak out of the freezer that we were supposed to have on Christmas Eve and then that we were supposed to have on actual New Year's Eve (laughs) and and trying again and having a really yummy dinner. (laughs) That sounds lovely. Yes. From the Onward Project.